The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. good morning and then I was saying good afternoon to Steph with your bright sun and I'm saying good morning to Denai. Hopefully you guys can hear me now and I was saying that you guys can be interacting with me live. It's my favorite thing if you just write in. Uh, so far all the comments have been on YouTube but if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter or a dozen other sites you can write in and we can have a conversation right now and you can have a conversation with my guest. I was saying we've got a lot that we're going to be talking about today. It's a big show today. So let me run it down for it. We're going to do jargon of the day in a second. Then we're going to have a fabulous guest, a young man who uh, has got an update for us. He was on the show several years ago, uh, pre-pandemic. Yay, Steph. Um, and uh, he's going to be here with us telling us a little bit about his journey and giving us an update on what he's been up to. Anthony Vasquez, he's going to be here. And then we're going to break it down a little bit. We, <laughs> I said something on the show the other day, and it got a little bit of a reaction, and then I said it again yesterday, and it occurred to me maybe we need to sh- get a little bit more specific on this uh, about denial of access to care. That uh, later in the show, towards the end of the show, I'm going to do a whole teardown on that because most of us that live here in the United States, uh, and I'm sure that this is happening around the world, ha- are experiencing healthcare shortages where we're paying a premium or we have access to healthcare through something that we applied for the, through the state or the government or whatever, but you go and you have the prescription for, and it could be anything. You have a prescription for medicine or you have a prescription for uh, physical therapy or you have a prescription for your child to have ABA and they're saying to you, well, we can't even get you an appointment to see about getting you an appointment to start for a year or six months or some ludicrous amount of time. And we all feel victim to this And uh, when you say this is not acceptable, the insurance company or the person on the phone will often say to you, well, you know, there was a pandemic, as if we don't know that. Um, So we're going to talk about this, about what the steps are, because you do have a right to your health care. It's just a right. And in some way, somebody is paying for you to have health care, and they do not just get to say, we have a health care shortage or there's been a pandemic or whatever. Now, this does not mean that we are rude or mean and we're not nasty to the person on the phone. We're going to borrow a page from Maya Angelou's book because Maya Angelou says, never take a no from someone who wasn't authorized to give you a yes. Now, think about that for a minute. So nine times out of 10, if you can get somebody on the phone right now, which is in and of itself amazing, you get somebody on the phone, they are not authorized to give you a yes. They cannot give you access to healthcare. The person who is on the phone is probably being paid minimal wage, has not had enough support for what they're doing, and they can't say yes to you, which means they really can't say no to you. Uh, so we're going to be nice to that person, but we're going to move it up the food chain with words and phrases that they understand because this is actionable, like legally actionable. So we're going to talk about all that a little bit later. We're going to get it nice and concise so that we can all feel empowered. I'm calling it the empowerment uh, hour for 
all of us, regardless of whatever the issue is that you are experiencing, because, you know, you might, I, I burned my foot and this happened where they were saying to me, we can't, you know, you need, one doctor was saying to me, you need urgent care for your foot tomorrow. And the burn care unit was saying, you know, we'll see you in six weeks. And the urgent care doctor was saying, you can't wait that long, right? I'm going to give you the words that you can use. And by the way, this is for everything. But for those of you who have been waiting for ABA therapy and you've been on the waiting list for a year, I'm just going to put this into your backpack. Access to health care is not a waiting list. A waiting list does not equal access to care. It is a denial of access to care to be on the waiting list. So we're going to talk about what you do and how, and my tail is showing, I've got cords everywhere today. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to give you the words that you need to say to get you moving in the direction that you need to move. And we need to do this for all of healthcare. If, if everybody were to do this, healthcare would change tomorrow. I'm just going to tell you. So we'll talk about all that in a minute. But first, reminding all of you that we are a free podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just download it. Uh, it's, it's free. I, I really love that. But we do have costs, right? You know, everything that you see here costs money. And so we have opened a Patreon account. If you would like to donate to our Patreon account, we welcome that. It is not a requirement to watch anything that's here. Uh, and I love that about us, but we, you know, people have said, I, but I'd like to donate. So there is a Patreon account. It took them 12 years to get me to agree to that <laughs> because I really feel like our audience, we feel is that that greater autism community, which starts with individuals who are on the autism spectrum, right? Of course, they're the beating heart of our community. And we know that the lion's share of people who are on the autism spectrum are either unemployed or underemployed which is horrible. And I don't want to be asking individuals that are unemployed or underemployed uh, to support us. I, I want to help to support them, right? And then the other part of our audience is everyone who loves those individuals who are also often strapped for cash and trying to figure out how do I pay for this service to be able to be an ally and help this individual with this, that, or the other thing. So we're always looking for other avenues to keep the lights on and pay the bills. Uh, which brings me, if you know somebody, if you have a friend who works for a company, we're looking for strategic alliances, people who want to partner with us, who want to run commercials on our feed, who want to sponsor an hour here. We want to make those corporate. So if you know somebody who has a business or works high up in a corporation and you can give me a contact to get in front of them and say, here's what we would give you in exchange, please let me know. You can email me for anything, including that, shannon at autism-live.com. Shannon at autism-live.com. But anyway, back to our our mission here is to provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community, those on the spectrum and those who love individuals on the spectrum and want to help them to get to that place where they have everything that they need, respect, dignity, ability to love who they love, live where they want to live, work how they want to work, have the skills that they want to have, right? This is what we're about here. So um, just wanted to say that. I also like to start Wednesdays and say that we have many experts that are here on the show. I'm not one of them, nor do I identify as somebody on the spectrum. I, I am not. I do believe that everybody, you know, there is this ginormous spectrum, but not for... Um, that everybody is someplace on that spectrum, right? But when we're talking about ASD, we're talking about 
uh, a level of severity um, that most of us do not qualify for. I do not qualify for that. Um, I have nothing but respect for people who do, but I do not identify that way. What I identify as is a proud pony. I am a parent of a neurodiverse individual. So, uh, and I'm very excited to identify as that and love my kid more than I can say. He was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half, and he is the sun, the moon, and the stars, and brilliant and funny, and I'd rather spend time with him than anyone else on the planet, and that includes my husband, who I adore. So, uh, but I was saying the other day, I, you know, and we're trying to get my husband to do more traveling now, because for years, my son and I have traveled all over the place, and we've spoken places and gone to visit places and said, hey, you know, we're here if anybody has questions about our journey, and, um, and we would go in the summer and just go and do that. And we would leave dad home to work and take care of the dogs. Uh, <laughs> poor dad. And now dad is like, I want to go too. But uh, my, you know, my husband is not as used to traveling, where my son is the best traveling companion on the face of the planet. If you are worried about your child on the spectrum traveling, I, I start small, but I just want to say to you, my son is the best travel companion. I would rather go anywhere with him than anybody else on the planet. Uh, but we... We have taken my husband a couple of times now, and he is a delight to take, too. I don't want to make it sound like he's chopped liver. I'm just saying. My son is awesome. Uh, Steph says, same here. Totally agree with you. I have two boys on the spectrum, 18 and 10 years old. Uh, our kids are amazing. Part of our job here is to like help everybody to understand how amazing our kids are. And for us to be able to overcome the horribleness of when people don't see how amazing our kids are. And as all parents, there are days when, you know, your kids are on your left nerve. And that includes kids who are on the autism spectrum. You know, I, I, I used to marvel at my friends who had teenagers and they would, you know, say, you know, kid for, you know, up for adoption. And I would go, what? How can you even say that about your child? Because um, I think in the special needs community, we would never utter those phrases, right? Like that just seems like, oh a betrayal of our children. But we are allowed to be fatutsed with our children and be like, I just need 10 minutes away from them. That is also allowed for our community too. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Everybody needs a break now and then. But our kids are amazing. And, and when they turn into adults, they're like butter. They're the best thing ever. Uh, they're like butter pecan ice cream is what I like to say. Awesomeness. I would rather spend time in a room full, and I often do this, spend time in a room full of adults that are on the autism spectrum. I, I struggle more now being with people who aren't. Uh, as Temple Grandin says, she's like, I don't understand the small talk. It's just so ridiculous. And uh, she says, so boring. It's so hard. <laughs> you know, I agree with her. Anyway, uh, okay. So let's uh, dive into jargon of the day so we can get this because this is important, right? This is uh, jargon of the day is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are those experts talking about? What does this have to do with me? Why do I even need to learn this term? Why are you bugging me with this, right? My computer just woke up. Um, anyway, so today's term is FBA. Aren't you excited? I know the first time I heard this and somebody said, this is going to be very pivotal for you in your experience with your son over the next couple of years. And I was like, the FBI? And they were like, no, the FBA. 
Uh, and I don't, I, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is. So let's take a look. Let's demystify this because this is pretty important. It's right up there with the important things. Um, an FBA is a functional behavior assessment. It is a multi-step problem-solving assessment process designed to determine the function of a behavior. Okay, I don't you love my favorite thing? It's so predictable in jargon is when they take a word that is in the <laughs> thing and they included it, you just mess up the words. So a functional behavior assessment is a assessment of behavior to see if, how it's functioning. Oh, well now we know what it is. <clears throat> Not right. Uh, let's try again. Um, so in a second, we're going to show you the, uh, the working definition. But, but there is some stuff that's here that I think that's important. The, the multi-step and problem solving are really important for us to get our head around. This is not just like, mm, this is what I feel. This is, this is probably what it is. It's a multi-step problem solving process that is designed to find the function of a behavior. Okay, we're messing the words up a little bit, but hang on to the multi-step and problem solving. Now let's go on to our working definition to try to figure out if we can't make heads or tails of this, right? Um, so it's an essential process that helps us understand why a challenging behavior is happening so that we can change it effectively. Now before everybody has a meltdown, about changing behavior. Let's stop and consider that this is why I love to talk about this stuff because people immediately have this, oh, you want to change me or you want to change my child. Why, why can't you just let them be who they are? I agree with you. Let's let them be who they are. But are we not going to teach them anything? Are we not going to allow them to grow? Are we, if we see them struggling with something and we can help them to do it in an easier way, are we going to let them continue to struggle? Does that seem kind, considerate, loving? Not to me. I'm a former teacher, right? If, I, if somebody says, I'd like to ski, I'm going to assume that there's things about skiing that you weren't born with when you came out of the womb. And I'm not just going to throw you on a mountain and go, have some fun with that and assume that you are going to be a savant at skiing. In fact, we don't do that to people. Usually most places, it, you know, I don't ski. I know nothing about skiing. But what I do know is from friends who go skiing is if they go and they'll say to you, you know, have you ever skied before? They'll give you a little bit of rundown and they encourage you to take a beginner's class where they show you some basic things like turning your feet in to make a snowplow. This is what I know about skiing, right? And I've never done it. I've literally never done that, but I've, I've watched Hallmark movies where they teach someone, this is how I know. Scary, right? Um, but, so I would not assume just from watching a Hallmark movie that I could go on the expert ski slope, right? But if I wanted to ski and I wanted to learn, there would be a process where somebody would show me what to do and they would give me corrections and they would say, you know what you're doing right there is you're leaning your knee and you're going to hurt your knee if you do that. Try this. Now, this is not them trying to change me. This is them trying to help me to be able to do the thing that I wanted to do more effectively. Okay. Are you with me so far? Let's apply this to individuals who are on the autism spectrum. So everybody needs to be able to communicate. This is a basic uh, human right to be able to communicate. Notice I didn't say speak uh, because there are lots of ways that we all communicate. I'm gesturing all over the place today. 
because that's what I do, right? And, and I need to do less of it on, in this format, but I do it. And that's a way that I communicate. Other people, when I was a teacher, I would communicate just by lowering my glasses and going like this and giving this death stare to, to somebody and they would know. I, a lot of kids, not all kids, would know I am not happy with you not right now, right? And I, I'm not liking what your behavior is doing and I want you to change it. All kids won't know that, right? Other kids, you got a point and go, you know, this is another way of communicating. But everyone deserves the ability to be able to communicate their needs, and if someone is, has a, a, a disability, a learning disability where they are not learning communication and the very definition of autism means that there is a disability in this arena in communication, here comes the question. Do we allow them to just be frustrated or do we teach them how to communicate their needs? If you are, now, how you teach it we can argue about that all day long because I believe that it has to be taught, they have to be taught in a way that preserves their dignity, that is not punitive, right? Um, but they have to be taught uh, communication. So, all right. When we, Dr. Grampuche was talking about this just yesterday, when, when children come out of the womb and they are born, how do they get their needs met? They cry. That is how. That is how children all around the world, it doesn't matter culture, it doesn't matter your political party, it does not matter what blood type you are, what religion you are, what skin tone you have. Children come out and they communicate by, by crying, making noises. They, they're hungry, they're tired, they're cold, they're hot, they want to be held, they have gas, they cry because they don't have any other means of communication. And then things change at a certain point and it's usually why we call it the terrible twos, is that we start this transition process where kids are struggling because crying isn't efficient anymore. Uh, but they're still trying to use it to get their needs met, but they don't have enough language to be able to say, I want a cookie, right? Um, and here's why I want the cookie, and here's why you owe me a cookie, right? They don't have that much language. So they will engage in behavior where they will cry, they will stamp their feet, they will throw themselves on the floor, sometimes they will hit their, their heads on the floor because they're trying to see what do I have to do to get the cookie. They're finding their communication methods. Now, if, if langu as language starts to develop, the kids learn, oh, it's much easier for me to say cookie, and if I say cookie and you give it to me, that's easier than crying and throwing myself on the floor. Well, what happens when you have a language deficit? What happens when that pathway isn't making its way in the brain, which is autism, right? And so you have kids, some kids who have apraxia, who don't have the ability to say right, to work towards cookie. Um, and don't worry with apraxia, that can be worked on too. It's just a longer process. But what happens when they don't have the ability to communicate their needs? Well, then they will engage in what we call challenging behavior, they will do whatever they have to do to get their needs met. This is not because of an intellectual deficit at all. Uh, you know, I'm uh, a 60-year-old, very vocal woman uh, with a master's degree, right? But if you took me and put me in a situation where I didn't speak the language, didn't understand the gestures that were happening, didn't know what was happening, how long do you think it would be before I would throw a tantrum? I can tell you, I've done this at Dick's Sporting Goods. It's about 15 minutes. 
where if nobody is listening to me and I'm asking for help and support and nobody is listening to me, I get upset and I will start doing extreme things. I laid down on the floor in the middle of a Dick's Sporting Goods because nobody was listening to me, including my husband and my kid. Um, so, you know, we're going to, we will all, and this is not, as I said, this is not a question of intelligence. We will all do what we need to do to be heard in whatever way we can, whatever means that we have. So, um, you know, one of the things that we always want to tell you guys is that people who are on the spectrum, if they're doing something, it's for a reason, right? And we're not trying to change the reason. We're trying to help them to be able to communicate in a more effective way. So if what I want is a cookie, and I don't have the ability to ask for it, I may hit someone. Because maybe in the past I got a cookie for it, right? So what ABA says is let's look at the function of the behavior. I did the behavior because I wanted something. I was communicating that I wanted something. It wasn't efficient or effective, and it's potentially hurting me or somebody else or hurting my chances of learning more, right? But I did it for a reason, So when we're talking about changing a behavior, it is to make it more effective so that the reason can be met. That's what a functional behavior assessment does. It says that behavior that that child is doing, they're lining up their cars. It is for a reason. What is it that the child needs that they're getting for lining up their cars? And is there a way that we can help the child to have that need met in a different way? And, you know, lining up cars, I wouldn't say is that challenging unless that's all they want to do, right? And they don't want to learn language because they're busy uh, lining up the cars. They don't want to eat. Eventually, they're going to have health problems because all they're doing is lining up cars. That's when that would be a challenging behavior. But when I'm talking about challenging behavior, I'm talking about things where they're going to hurt themselves, hurt somebody else, or they're not going to be able to access things that are meaningful to them as they grow. So that gets into a whole other category of all kinds of things, right? Um, That what is important to a four-year-old and a skill that a four-year-old learns so that they can be an eight-year-old and be able to do eight-year-old things, it's very hard to convince the four-year-old that, you know, this is going to be important to you down the road. It's like saying to a four-year-old, you better get good grades in high school because college is going to be important. The four-year-old is like, I don't care about that. Why would I care about college, right? So, hi from Indonesia, so thrilled. Yes, uh, Steph says visual is another way of communication. There are all different kinds of communication. But behavior is communication. And we behave in ways to get our needs met. We all do. And our kids on the autism spectrum and our teens and our adults on the autism spectrum are all behaving in ways to get their needs met. And what an FBA says is, I'm going to look for what is the reason behind that behavior. And once I know what the reason is for the behavior, then I can go about seeing how can I get that need met in a way that doesn't cause an issue for this person or anybody else around them. Uh, And I know it gets dicey because sometimes people go, well, I want the behavior change because I'm uncomfortable with it, like rocking. And what I say to people is you should deal with your feelings about why that makes you uncomfortable. You should not try to change that behavior for somebody else. However, if a person says what I really want to be able to do um, 
is, I, you know, I'm trying to think of something where you couldn't rock because there's a lot of things where you could rock. Um, you know, but let's say that they want to be a ballerina um, and that's the job that they really want to do, but they feel this constant need for rocking. Um, then we would try to work on can you do other movements that fulfill that same proprioceptive need that aren't the rocking because if the choreographer says I want you to do this, then it's not, this is not the motion, right? Then we would say, all right, let's work on the rocking. Um, but I think it's super important that there be a benefit to the individual. So the functional behavior assessment is the piece where we honor the spirit of the communication that the person is giving and saying, let's look for the why. Let's look for what the need is and then let's supply the need in another way. So the functional behavior assessment is just, it's a, as we said, a multi-step process where we look, okay, sometimes we interview uh, the parents and the teachers, what was happening before, so on and so forth. We look at the behavior and then we arrive at a hypothesis of what we think the function of the behavior is. And only then can we begin to start to try to find another way to get the need met. But I kind of want to keep drilling. It is so that we can find what the need was and fill it in another way. It's not, a lot of times people say, well, it's the way we change behavior, which sounds different than finding the way for the person to get their need met. Uh, okay, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, if it doesn't, write, we'll, write in, we'll try again. Uh, but an FBA should be done by someone who knows what they're doing. A lot of times that's a board certified behavior analyst. I will say that I think that um, if it's not a self-injurious behavior, I think parents, after a while of training with this, can get to be pretty good at looking at what their child is doing and going, okay, what is it I think they want right now? Do, and there's four usual suspects, right, that they want attention, for, they want escape from something or someone, that they want to gain access to someone or something, or it's what they call automatic reinforcing, which means that it feels good. That it usually falls in one of those categories. When your kids get older, there is the control one, which is the, the fifth one, the asterisk, the fifth one. But, you, you know, you ask yourself, what? so if it's control, for instance, that you have a 12-year-old girl and she, you go... People write in all the time and say, you know, she's doing something I know she doesn't even want to do. Why is she doing that? That doesn't even make sense to me. Sometimes you, in order to gain control over your circumstances, you will do things that are not what you want to do just to say, I have control, right? And so, you know, the fix for that is finding all bunches of other times that they can have control over their lives. Because every 12-year-old wants to have some control, that's normal. That's not autism. That's normal. But we forget sometimes. So giving them choices. And, you know, it's, the choice is not do you want to go to school today or not go to school today. The choice is when you go to school today, how would you like to dress? What, you know, when you go to school today, which lunch would you like to have? This one or this one? So that it's, they're always getting to make these micro choices which feel like you have some semblance of control over your life, yeah? Um, 
and every single function has different methods that work, right? If somebody was doing something for attention, we would do something completely different than what we would do if it's the, they were doing it for control. And we've done lots of shows on that. We can talk more about that another time. But we've got a great guest for you. Um, we've got this, I, you know, I got to re-see this person for the first time since, I think, the pandemic. Um, I, I was at the dance the other day, the Valentine's dance, at the Ed Asner Center and was so thrilled when Anthony Vasquez walked in and uh, he reintroduced himself to me and said that he had all kinds of things going on and he'd like to come back on the show and so here we are. So Anthony, are you there? There he is, looking all handsome. Anthony, I'm so glad you could join us today. How are you today? I am not hearing him, Traven. So hang on one second, Anthony. Traven's going to get it in my ear. And then I, I hear noise, Traven, but I'm not hearing. Anthony, say something. No, I'm still not hearing him, Traven. We might have to get you on the phone, uh, Anthony. So hang out just one second while we figure this out. Trayvon will tell me what we need to do next. So I just want to recap a little bit that uh, two things uh, while we're waiting for Anthony, because I want him to tell you guys about who he is and what he was on the show for the last time. Uh, Coming up in April, we've got a really big event that's coming up in April. We are going to do the first ever, maybe the only ever, I don't know. Let's see if I survive it. Autism Network Podcastathon. And what this is is going to be 44 hours nonstop live. Woo! Did she just say 44 hours nonstop live? Yes, she did. And 44 because the current CDC numbers say 1 in 44. Now, uh, we're going to go on the air on April 3rd. First, we're going to do a Ask Dr. Doreen early in the morning on Tuesday, April 3rd. And then later on in the afternoon, we'll be back on the air starting at 3 o'clock. And Hour by hour, we will have different shows until 11 o'clock on Thursday morning. So we're going to go overnight, two nights. I know. What am I thinking? Well, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that we never have enough time to talk about the things that we want. We never have enough time to give people space to, and we never, you know, there are people like in Indonesia, you guys will write in and say, we don't get to watch you very often live because it's different hours of the day and night here. Our friends in Australia and Dubai and all, you know, all kinds of places who, and Africa who will say to us, you know, I'd love to be watching you live, but I never get the opportunity to do that. So we're going to be live and we're going to have a lot of fun stuff that's going to happen. A lot of celebrities that are going to drop by and be here with us, but we're also going to take care of a bunch of business and we're going to have a lot of experts that are going to be here for you. I, my mind is boggled. I, you know, we can't do 44 hours by ourselves here at Autism Network. We have, you know, what is it, six shows that we do now on a regular basis. But, you know, even then we can't do 44 hours. And so we've been reaching out to organizations and podcasts. And it has been amazing so far that everyone is like so on board. Um, so we're going to have takeover hours where you're going to see Spec Labs is going to take over for an hour and their band is going to play, right? And we have hours where other podcasts, you just had um, 
the one of the gentlemen from Just Two Dads was on the other day. They're going to take over an hour. The Ed Asner Family Center is going to take over for an hour. Taka is going to take over for an hour. People around the world are going to take over in different time slots. And then we'll be here with a lot of extra Ask Dr. Doreen. There'll be extra Autism Live. Um, there'll be episodes of, there's at least one episode of Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. So we're going to there's going to be a lot going on. We have some free stuff already that we're going to give away. Uh, so I think it's going to, I'm calling it the information and inspiration extravaganza. Uh, <laughs> nobody else is calling it that, but I am. I'm calling it that. So uh, it's free. You can join in. If you you know happen to wake up like I do every once in a while at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're like, oh, okay, now what? Uh, you could tune in and watch the bags under my eyes get uh, substantially bigger. My plan is not to leave. Uh, I'm going to, you know, put a bean bag in my office and it's a big bean bag and I'm going to take naps in there, but I'm going to be just ridiculously tired by the time it's over, but I'm excited about that. So tired is okay. Feeling like we're not getting to enough people is what isn't okay. And we want to reach as many people as we possibly can. So it will be free. We are looking for sponsors right now for the different hours. So again, if you know somebody who's, I like Temple Grandin is already signed up and is going to be joining us for an hour. It happens to be on the day that her book comes out, her new book. So, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really, I get jazzed about who all we're going to have on. Uh, do we think that we're going to have Anthony or should I go into the conversation about the insurance uh, denial of access to care and we'll come back for Anthony? What do we think, Trayvon? Uh, we need to call him. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we're going to call Anthony, but hang on a second. I don't have the number up. Do you just have it, Trayvon, or... Hold on, you guys. It's a live show. I imagine a lot of this will happen uh, during the podcast-a-thon. We'll be like, hold, please, while we figure out what's happening here. Uh, okay, Trayvon's going to help me with this. So hang on, you guys. Hang on. I know watching me dial is fascinating. Watching me figure out how to use my fun is even more fun. Okay, I got the first three numbers. Yes. Here we go. We are calling Anthony. Hello, this is Anthony. Anthony, I'm so excited. We got to get him to mute. Because we got to cycle. Hang on one second, Anthony. That's going to drive everyone crazy. Let me turn my volume all the way down while we get him to mute his computer. My computer is muted. Okay, we should, we should be fine now. I'm hearing the echo. <laughs> okay, hang on, you guys. We're going to figure this out one way or the other. Uh, can you talk him through? He, I'm sure he's doing that. Anthony? Anthony? Hello, Hi, Shannon. Hi. Sorry about that. So we got that all figured out. Now we can see you and we can hear you. Hi. You're looking all handsome, Anthony. Thank you. Let me 
me just put myself on full screen and let me hang on my phone. Okay. No, you don't, don't hang up your phone. Don't hang up your phone. No. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, we're going to call him again. Sorry, you guys. Answer your phone. We need the phone. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. We need to stay on the phone. That's the only way we're going to be able to hear you is on the phone. So we have your picture on the computer, but we've got you on the phone. So it all works out. Yes, perfect. Okay. So are so you ready? I'm ready. Tell us about you, Anthony, and why you were on the show the first time. Uh, can you say the last part again? What, tell the folks at home about you, who you are, and why, when, when and why we had you on the show the first time. Hello, autism viewers. Uh, my name is Anthony Vasquez. And the last time I was on the show was in person, and I did the interview with Shannon about my times being an intern at Miller Career and Transition Center, my last school. Yes. 2017. You were, how old were you? I was 21 years old. And so, and that's been a couple of years ago now, and you're all graduated from Miller now, right? Yes, I am. December 2017, I was 22 and I transitioned from that school. Okay, and so tell us a little bit about... Uh, what you're doing right now, what your life is like right now. Okay. During my, since I transitioned in 2017, um, I, I got accepted into the Tierra del Sol Foundation, uh, a day program in Sunland. And do you like it there? I do like it there. And I'm also joining um, Spectrum Laboratory, and we call it Spec Labs for short. Yes. And why did you want to join Spec Labs? What was it about Spec Labs that was interesting to you? All right. What was interesting about me joining Spec Labs is because um, I have a passion to singing, because I've done it before in my past, and um, I was recommended it by um, Luke Rose. Oh, yeah. We love Luke. Uh, I haven't seen Luke in, in, since the pandemic. Is Luke doing Okay. Yes, he is. Um, he's, he's doing very well. Okay, so you've just started at Spec Labs, is that right? I started Spec Labs um, last year in February, after getting accepted into it in January of last year. And so what kinds of classes are you taking with Spec Labs right now? Okay. Uh, you want me to tell you the past classes or the current classes? Uh, tell me the current classes first, and that was a really good question, Anthony. Yeah, so the... Uh, the current classes I'm in are um, Mondays, I'm um, singing studio, and then Wednesdays, spec bands um, one, because we have spec bands two. Oh, very good. I didn't realize there were two spec bands. Very, so do you play an instrument, or are you just a singer? I'm just a singer. Well, Bono is just a singer, so that's okay. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with just being a singer. What kinds of things do you like to sing, Anthony? In general or at Spec Labs? In general. Disney music, um, Pixar music. Um, I like uh, Spectrum Laboratory music and Sly and the Family Stone, just to name four. Okay, so what's your favorite Sly and the Family Stone song? I want to take you higher, actually. I love that. What a great song. And is that like your signature song that you like to sing when you're someplace where, where they're doing karaoke? Uh, yeah. What do you mean by that? So, have you ever been to a, like at, at the at Asner Center when they do karaoke nights, or any place where they do karaoke? Uh, so I can't remember, but 
I've done it at home with my karaoke machine. Okay, there you go. So when you're when it's you and your karaoke machine, like what are your top three songs that you like to sing? I want to take you higher. I'm the Adams Family, and I'm Dancing Fine by Dominique Brown. Oh, Dominique Brown, who is an artist uh, with Spec Labs. Yes. Does he know that he's in your top three of songs to sing? Uh, no, these are just my personal favorites. Okay. Well, I'll bet he would feel very complimented if you were to tell him that. I'll, I'll bet he would love that. He's a, a great artist and a, and a great writer. And, you know, it's in, it's in his family genes. He, he, I think it's his uncle who is Marvin Gaye. So, you know, uh, he comes by it honestly. Do you have other singers in your family? No, just me. Just you're the first one. Well, Marvin Gaye might have been the first one. So uh, you told me the other day that you had an exciting update that you have a new job. Are you allowed yeah. to talk about that? Yes. Um, so, yes, I would like to tell you about it. Um, so I'm currently um, a part-time associate um, at Smart and Final in Northridge. I love that. And, you know, I'm a regular at Smart and Final, and I have been to that store before. So someday, I don't know when, but I'm going to come by and look for you. Uh, but I love Smart and Final. For people who don't maybe know what Smart and Final sells, tell them a little bit about Smart and Final. Yes. So Smart and Final, first it's called Smart and Final Extra because it's the big store as opposed to the small stores where yes. they're just called Smart and Final. And what, this, what my store looks like is... Um, it's a grocery store in the retail industry. Yes, but you know what I love about it is that it's kind of like you know Costco or Sam's Club that you can buy big stuff there. Like if you're having a party, Smart and Final is the place to go, right? Yep. Or if you're going to be catering things, uh, Smart and Final is the place to go because you can get a much bigger. Like I uh, buy there; they have. Um, tomato sauce, uh, spaghetti sauce that comes in these ginormous cans that's the best spaghetti sauce ever on the face of the planet. Um, and that's what I use to make my big ziti. Whenever I have an event that I'm going to, everybody asks me to make my gluten-free, uh, dairy-free, it's totally vegan spaghetti, and I go to Smart and Final to get the sauce. And I usually, Anthony, have to go to the one in Northridge because everybody else is out of it. The extra one has, has it. Uh, more often than other ones, but I need to. I actually, I you know, I'm going to ask you to check for me to see because it was you, you guys were out of it for a long time, and so I might need some insider information for you to tell me when you get it in stock because it flies off the shelf. Is that a deal? Okay. Will you check it out for me if I tell you what the product is? Yeah, I'll check it out for you. What's the product? Uh, it's it's the First Street marinara sauce. Not fully prepared, but I'll text it to you so we can figure it out and we can connect. It's Smart and Final business, you guys. So um, do you like working there at Smart and Final? I love working there. And what kinds of things do you do there? Do you do a lot of different things or do you just do a couple of things? I do a lot of couple of things. Um, it's a lot of tasks, but I'll name you five of them. Okay. Um, cart runs, um, store sweep. Cleaning and managing the restrooms in the break room. So that's three. I Stocking, fourth, and the fifth one, go-backs. Okay. Now, so you didn't mention the register. Are, are you trained yet on the register, or is that something you're going to train later, or you're not interested in the register? As of now, 
I'm not at the register as a cashier, but what I could tell you, at times I bag at oh. the registers. Are you a good bagger? I am. Because so there are people who are not good. And small stuff on the top. There we go. There we go. Uh, amazing. Wonderful. Well, I love that you're working at Smart and Final. I think that that's really wonderful. And you said it's part-time because you're doing other things, like you're doing spec labs. And what other kinds of things do you, what do you like to do with your free time, Anthony? Free time, like outside work and program hours? Yeah. Well, well, Spectrum Laboratory is part of my free time. That's so I'm true. there only twice a week. Yeah. And, uh, but what else do you we'll like talk, to do? Do you like we'll to play videos? And also... I also go to the TDS program at Tierra del Sol, like, as I've mentioned. Yes. What kinds of things do you do at Tierra del Sol? Des, del, I'm saying it wrong. How do you say it? Uh, Tierra del Sol. Del Sol. And what kinds of things do you do there, Anthony? Well, during my time there, I've been in their workforce development training program. I've done a variety of services from cleaning, um, customer service, um, Managing, you know, supplies. I've also done, uh, I've also done, uh, what am I going to say here? I've also done like uh, food services. Oh, great. You. you got a lot of skills. Did they help yes. you to get the job at Smart and Final? I'm sorry? Did they help you to get the job at Smart and Final? They did in summer 2021. Wow. So you've been working. Uh, in, starting in the pandemic, you were working then in the grocery store. Yeah, during the pandemic. I bet before. that was. I bet that was hard. Um, what did you did you find that that was okay for you, or was it? Were there parts of it that were hard for you? Uh, kind of both. It was okay because remember, back when I was in school, I was internshipping at the Chatsworth Smart Final. Oh, I had forgotten that. Well, so you were a little bit familiar with it then. But you know, Anthony, I don't think we say enough how much gratitude we owe to all of you who are working in grocery because, you know, talk about being an essential worker. You guys kept us alive during the pandemic. So thank you. You're a hero. Do you realize thank that? You. Yeah. Um, absolute hero. So what else, though, do you like to do with your free time? Are you somebody, are you into video games? Are you on the computer at all? What do you like to do when when you don't have any of your programs and you don't have spec labs and you don't have work you watch tv uh, on the computer yes i'm listening to music and um talking to my friends online awesome and off my computer i also like to go to the park wonderful and so anthony i know a lot of people write into us and say that they have friends or children that are adults on the spectrum that the friendship piece is really hard that they don't have friends Maybe if you could just tell us, where did you meet your friends? Did you meet them in school or at your activities? Where did you find your friends? Uh, friends, uh, what type of friends are you referring to? The friends that you spend time with. Are they people that you met when you were doing spec labs? Are they people that you met at work or in your program at Tierra del Sol? Or did you meet them when you were in school at Miller? Um, where, where did you meet them? Oh, Let's start with Luke Rose first. Uh, Miller. Okay, so it's school. All right, yeah. pick another friend. Where did you meet them? Um, Spectrum Laboratory and um, and um, Tierra del Sol as well. Okay, because I want for parents and caregivers to hear this that you know, just like us, we don't we don't meet friends just like going shopping. 
but a lot of times we meet friends in the places that we work or the fun things that we do, the classes that we take or at school, um, those kinds of things, like everybody. That's where we meet our friends. So I just wanted them to hear that, John, uh, Anthony. Um, well, Anthony, is there anything else? We're running out of time. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell the folks at home about your update about what you're doing now? Uh, yes, Tierra del Sol and um, Spectrum Laboratory. Really amazing. And I was so happy to see you the other day at the Ed Asner Center, and I hope to see you at more of the... Because I try to go to the events there when they have their dances and their parties. It was a fun party, wasn't it? Very much. Yeah. The DJ was really good. Yes. I I didn't dance much. Did you dance much? Yeah, way more. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. That's what it was for. They were playing a lot of music that was not for my era, but I saw that you guys were loving it. It was good music, but it wasn't my, my era. Uh, I, I like old people music, Anthony. Uh, and, and they were playing a lot of fun stuff. But I saw you guys dancing a lot, so that's wonderful. Anthony, thank you for taking the time to join us. You're doing remarkable stuff, and, and thank you for asking me if you could be back on. You're welcome. All right. So- Yes. So I'm going to share them what I've been doing at Spec Labs. Okay. Yeah. And first, Tierra del Sol. So Tierra del Sol, I first started in 2018. I was in Department 50B, and then I got moved to Department 50A. And what so does two, that mean? I don't know what that means. What? Uh, which? What the different departments are? Does it? Oh, they're both workforce departments. They're okay. just different uh, work sites. Some okay. Are the same, but mainly different. Okay. And what kinds yeah. of things are you doing there now? In Department 50A, well, I was virtual during my time of Smart and Final. I finally went back this year. Okay. Yeah. So I'm at, Brist- I'm, I'm at Bristol Hospice in Glendale and Tierra del Sol's farm. So wh- d- tell me the first one again, because I, di- I didn't quite hear you. What was the first one you're at? Bristol Hospice. Oh, so what do you do there? I re- Well, recently I just... the done the onboarding paperwork and um, so I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, projects to benefit their patients there including flower arrangements oh Anthony that's wonderful what a wonderful wonderful thing for people that are on hospice Uh, amazing what a wonderful service and so what are you doing then at Spec Labs yeah so last year um, Garth Herberg accepted me in January after registering and then for my for the first semester, we did um, the concert summer of spec at Flyer Studios in June seventeenth in Culver City. There, yes. we had two acts and one intermission. Act one, we did Zarathustra, Jamboree, I love my microphone, my heart beats to the rhythm, my heart, and um, everyday people. Then a fifteen minute intermission, and then um, from Act two, we did um, Gotta Get Up. Um, dancing fine, I want to take you higher and uh, use your imagination. Well, now, you must have I'm... loved that then because that's some serious Sly in the Family Stone. Can I tell you my favorite Sly in the Family Stone song is Everyday People. I just, I did you watch, uh, what was the, the movie that won Best Documentary last year? Um, that was, it was like Summer of Soul, right? The movie, did you watch and they show Sly in the Family Stone singing that in Central Park and I said to people, if, if you don't believe in God, watch that. He's amazing. Uh, like that when that 
sound comes out of him is just absolutely amazing. So you must have loved that concert because there was a lot of Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, and in fact, we did a lot of rehearsals. And my and my favorite part of I want to take it higher is boom laka 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 boom laka lagoon kaboom. I love that part. Love 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 that. Okay. Yeah. So, so that was last year. Amazing, amazing concert. And so now, what are you working on? Yeah, yeah. So, just uh, so we, I was also there for another semester in fall, fall twenty twenty two. So we did the Halloween season and then the Christmas season. Oh, right. Yeah. For the Halloween season, I sang with my group, the Monster Mash, Purple People Eater, and the Adams Family. Nice. There, we were at the Forge on the day before Halloween for our performance. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then for the Christmas songs, before I get to this semester, uh, we did um, "Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer," which I hear everybody laughs at. Yes. And everyday people again. Oh, good stuff. Good Thank stuff. You. Yeah. And it was the last week of our of the semester, and then we were performing at um, the the Hearts or MKM Cultural Arts Learning Center in North Hollywood by Amber Herschel. Okay. Yeah. And then this semester, I'm fine. It's my second year. I'm doing with Garth. Um, I can't get no satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Love that song. Nice. Twist and Shout by the Beatles. Awesome. And Garth sent us a third show today. A third show. Third song. All day and all of the night. So three songs. Okay. I don't know that song. Is that a new song? Very new song to me. Okay. And the other two as well. All right. Well, so when are you going to perform those songs? Have you got a performance coming up? Is it on the books? Um, Is it scheduled yet? That, that is to be determined. Okay. But we're we're shooting for a knitting uh, arena, not arena, a uh, studio in North Hollywood in May. Okay. Well, I want to know. I'm sure that Garth and, and Jason will tell me because I'd like to come. Uh, Anthony, that's all the time we have, but I just want to thank you for all the work that you're doing and for sharing it with us. Oh, you're welcome, Shannon. All right, you take care now, okay? Okay, so before we go, how can I um, hear uh, next time through my speakers? We'll figure that out for next time. Okay. okay. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Greetings. Yes. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful young man. And I loved that when he saw me at the Ed Asner Center, he came up and he said, Shannon, I'm Anthony. Do you remember me? And I said, yes. And he said, I'd like to come back on the show. And then he said, let me get your contact information. This is what good, you know, um, classwork has done. He knew exactly what to say. He said, can I get your information? He said, what's better to call you or email you? I said, email me. He emailed me and we got him right on the show. So I, I loved that. I absolutely love that. Um, easy. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes it's like, ah, oh, I don't, I, you know, I say to people, contact me, and then, you know, they contact me through Facebook, and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know how to do that. Emailing me is best. Uh, and he did it exactly, and we followed up and said, here's what we need, and he got me his signed release and everything. That's because he's got some good, good things going on there. Okay, uh, we're almost out of time, but I'm not going to chimp on the fact that we said that we were going to cover this denial of access to care, because this is really important. Uh, 
We all need to feel empowered to get access to our healthcare. Not only is it essential to our well-being, no matter what it is that you're seeking healthcare for, whether it is your child who is on the autism spectrum or you are having a pain in your left hip, you pay insurance or you have paid taxes into something or you have been uh, deemed someone who, who gets access to healthcare through your state, your state exchange plan, everyone is supposed to have access to healthcare. That is supposed to be uh, across the board in the United States. So if you have no healthcare right now, you need to go to your state exchange and uh, fill out the application and, and get some health care. But let's presume that all of you um, here have health care. And, and by the way, I looked this up. This is even in other countries that when you have health care, there is a presumption that you have to have access to the health care. So you're paying something into a system. You have to have access. And if somebody says to you, um, let's say, you know, you ask for a prescription for something and they say it's not covered, that is considered denial of access to care. And there is a process through which you can go through to say, I want you to consider including this medicine. Um, and, and it takes a period of time when it's something that is not already written into the approval. But what so many people here in the United States and really around the world are experiencing is a new phenomenon that we have our health care and we are given a prescription for something that is covered and the health insurance says, the provider says, you can have an appointment uh, in June of 2024. That is denial of access to care. The, I, I sent Traven uh, a thing that he's gonna put on the screen here in a second uh, because I one of the things when you look up denial of access to care and you, you look at what um, what are the rules, right? And what every, what every single healthcare says is that you have to have, see that up at the top where it says timely access to care. But this is where it gets a little bit sticky is what is timely. And if you're talking to your insurance company and let's say that you're seeking ABA for your child and you have been on a waiting list for six months. And I know some of you have been on a waiting list for more than six months, right? But, um, and you call them up and you say, this is not time, this is a denial of access to care. And they say, no, you have an appointment in six months. And then you say, that is not timely access to care. And the next words that will come out of their mouths are say, well, we have a shortage and we had a pandemic. Like, duh, right? I want to tell you that they have been trained to say that to you. It doesn't matter what they say to you from there on. They still have to give you access to care. If they are not able to provide it, they need to give you someone else that can. But here's, here's why I wanted to show you this graphic, is because when you say timely access to care, I've had families who have said, well, we need timely access to care, and they're saying, well, this is timely access to care because we have such a shortage. I want you to see what a load of malarkey that is. This is um, from California Managed Care showing what what timely access to care in their estimation should be. I would encourage you, whoever your healthcare provider is, to find out their timetable for this. Because it might be slightly different, but this is a really good gauge of what is reasonable. Um, and we've got it both here in Spanish and in English, but take a look that if it's urgent care, um, 
that you know with that prior authorization is not required and that you need to have care within four days for something that is urgent um, and if it's something that is a prior authorization required because that's what your insurance requires that it's four days I feel like that's crazy for urgent care but okay now we know what it is for this company uh, but then take a look at the non-urgent care. Notice that under primary care, which is going to see your regular doctor, like your pediatrician, whatever, that they have to be able to give you an appointment within 10 business days. That means two weeks. I know. Did your head just explode? Because in the past, I know you guys have been calling asking, I was on the phone with a mom yesterday who said that her child has been having a problem and she asked for an appointment with the pediatrician and she was told that it was going to be six months. That is denial of access to care because it's denial of timely access to care. And if she were to use those words when talking to the insurance company, they would get her an appointment either with her doctor or another doctor. Now here's where it gets sticky because you go, well, I want our pediatrician who has our files, whatever. But you ha they have to give you some access to care. It may not to be your actual doctor, but they can't deny you services and have that doctor say, well, I have to run a bunch of tests. They can't do that to you. But they have to give you access to somebody for primary care within 10 business days. Take a look over the specialty care physician. That's 15 business days. For some companies, your ABA would come under that specialty care. But look below because for some healthcare providers, um, they include mental health with behavioral health. So look under that one. That's 10 business days, right? For a non-physician, that's ABA. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm yelling. But, uh, but then uh, the other one is 15 business days for an appointment come on. Okay. And follow-up care, 10 business days. I also want you to see that timely access of care requires that it be uh, within 15 miles or 30 minutes from where you live or work. Um, and that they have to have 20, uh, 24-7 telephone services available to talk to you about your health care. Um, and that you are entitled to an interpreter always at everything. Okay, so now your head just went, wait a second, I've been being lied to about all this stuff. I'm just going to tell you that when you know what the, what the parameters are, then you are empowered. So I want you to empower yourself to go to your insurance provider and ask for what's their timely access to care table like this so that you know what it is. And then I want you to call your insurance company and the first person that you get on the phone is not the person who is authorized to give you a yes. I want you to be super nice to them because they're doing their level best and they're being paid minimum wage. All of the people that you're gonna to talk to are healthcare workers who are in the admin part of it who still had to work during the pandemic. They didn't get all the time off that a lot of other people got and, and part of the problem is that there's too few of these people because they're not paying them enough to make it worthwhile to have to work through a pandemic. And it's going to continue to be that until we all say enough. And that's what I want you to do is say enough. So be nice to the person on the phone. Say to them, you know, say, I'm calling because I haven't been able to get an appointment for my child's ABA. We've been on a waiting list for six months. I'm aware of the fact that this is denial of access to care because it's denial of timely access to care. Now, if this person is properly trained, they will know that this goes above their head. 
they may not be pro properly trained. Don't take it out on them. Say, I need to talk to a manager. And they're going to say, there's not a manager here. And you're going to say, I need to take your name down and, and that you told me that there's not a manager here. When can a manager call me back? But make sure you take their name down. If they have a badge number, take that because that holds them accountable. I'm saying be nice, be polite, hold accountability. And get, tell them, okay, so you have told, and read it back to them, take notes. You have told me that, you know, Sue Smith is the supervisor who's going to call me back within 24 hours. I'm going to be looking for her phone call. Now, Sue may not call you back within 24 hours, but when you call back and you say, I need to talk to a manager, I was told that Sue Smith would be calling me back within 24 hours and I've not received her call. You're, you know, you do this two or three times and they're going to get you through to somebody. Um, but you need to be talking to someone and you need, and what's going to happen is very likely they will send you a parcel of paperwork that you have to fill out saying that you're uh, making a complaint of a denial to access to care. What I'm going to tell you is that very often the insurance company will get you access to the care before you can fill that paperwork out. So don't feel like you have to fill it out. If you get access to the care in the meantime, throw the paperwork away, right? That's really what they want you to do, but they'll get on the stick and they will get you access to care. If they truly don't have someone for you to have an appointment for, don't worry, because the law allows for them to give you access. They can do a single case agreement with somebody who can. Now what happens two things will happen. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll offer you a lesser service on the way to the service that you were waiting for. Be wary of this. Sometimes you'll take that because it's what you need to get into, you know, to get started. Okay, but don't let up on the other. If you're sitting there with a prescription, a prescription for ABA therapy, then, you, and they say, well, we're going to give you an appointment for an intake. Great. That means they're going to make an appointment for you to come to talk to somebody about when you're going to start ABA. That is not access to care. And don't let them off the hook. They'll say, well, and realistically, realistically, when you go to an ABA provider, they're going to do an intake where they're going to figure out what they want to do for your child, and then they're going to need to staff it. I don't know anybody who can do that in less than 30 days. I know it doesn't say that on that thing, and most places they're taking six months a year. But give them at least 30 days. But I would call them on a regular basis. I'm talking at least once a week and say, okay, just checking. I know we're on a 30-day thing. You said it was going to take 30 days. We're ready to start on this day. Do you have my team? Whatever. Because they'll be like, oh, we had somebody and they quit. Don't let them get away with this. Apply nice pressure consistently. As Nancy always says, be a dog on a pork chop, right? A, a nice dog on a nice pork chop, but be consistent. This is how the squeaky wheel gets it done, right? Um, and they'll say to you, so you'll do the intake and they'll say, well, we don't have a therapist to start with your child, but let's start with parent training. Okay, do that. Start with the parent training because you need that anyway, but say to them, but I have a prescription here for one-on-one -on -one therapy for my child. When are we going to start that? Because if we're not starting that within 30 days, I need to find another provider because that would be a denial of timely access to care. Now, when you call the insurance company and say, this company is not able to give me timely access to care that you gave me, it is their job to tell you who you can go to who can. It is absolutely their job. It is not your job. I'm going to tell you right now, they don't know. They don't know. And a lot of times they will say to you, do you have a company you'd like to work with? Now, this is 
a curse and a blessing at the same time because it means you've got to go and do the legwork. But the good news is you find a good ABA provider. You do the legwork. You pick up the phone, have your friends come over and say, I need all of you with your cell phones. Let's call all these ABA providers and let's ask for recommendations. For the Find the one that's going to give you the best care and go back to the insurance company and go, yeah, I do know somebody who can start. And here they are. And they will write the single case agreement for the dream of your life for the ABA that you wanted that you weren't going to get because it wasn't in network. That's how you work this. And I'm going to tell you, not everybody is capable of working it because this is a huge hump to be gotten over. But there are people who are doing it on a daily basis and they are getting what their children need in spite of their insurance company, in spite of the healthcare shortage, because they are working this current state of the system. Do not let your insurance put your child on hold for a year because they are saying that they can't staff it. This is a very easy problem. Healthcare, profession, healthcare companies make money. They just do, and they make it by the gobs, and they certainly still did during the pandemic. If they can't staff, they need to look at what their problems are, and they need to find ways that they can staff, which is usually paying people more money, which cuts into their profit. Not your problem. Don't let it be the thing that prevents you from getting the care for your child. Terms to know, denial of access to care and timely access to care because they will say, oh, but we made an appointment for you to meet with the nurse who was going to talk to you about that is not the same thing. That is not access to care. It's a gateway. And being on a wait list is not access to care at all in anybody's book ever. Don't let them get away with that. Hold your provider's feet to the fire and say to them, I want my health care. I deserve it. My child deserves it. I'm paying for it. You have to provide. They know they have to provide it. These are the terms, though, that you have to use. And don't have the whole big conversation with the per first person on the phone. Ask to be moved to the manager. Listen to Maya Angelou. Don't take a no from somebody who wasn't authorized to give you a yes. I see parents on a regular basis seeing this and going, I'm going to make this my, my priority, and then their kids are in good quality ABA. Take this information, use it in any way that you can. Be nice, be nice, but be persistent, okay? We're all out of time. We went over, but we needed to because that was important stuff for you guys to know so that you can access the help that you so richly deserve. Hey, uh, we are uh, going to, we are, have a pre-recorded show tomorrow and we're doing an uh, episode of Stories from the Spectrum on Friday. We're back live on Monday. Uh, I don't remember what we said are actually, yeah, I think we're live on Monday. Yes. Uh, so we will be here then. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And don't forget on Tuesday, we are going to be live with Dr. Grampy Shea. She's going to be with us uh, from an undisclosed overseas location where it's going to be very late at night for her. So you're not going to want to miss that. That will be super fun. Uh, all right. But uh, until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.